1: What's the first thing we remember when we think of grade school history class? The first thing I remember being taught was about how we were under Spanish rule for 300
0: years. Okay, but what happened for all the thousands of years before the Spanish came?
1: Prior to Spanish colonization, these islands were already populated by communities that were trading with other empires in the region. Tons of different nations and tribes with all of their own art, writing, and even their own science and engineering. And today, we're going to take
0: a look at those stories and learn a bit more about what came before the Philippines. There are roughly 7,107 islands in our archipelago and dozens of dialects and languages, so we can't go too deeply into each pre-colonial culture. But we did want to focus on something that pretty much united us, our boats. Welcome to WhatsApp App, Araling Palipunan Rebooted. I'm Siege Tantenko, History Nerd. And I'm Sab Schnabel, a historian and a comedian who has worked for Carlos Seldran, the National Museum of the Philippines and the Guggenheim in Venice. The legacy of today's topic is not only seen in our connection to the sea, it's also the cornerstone of our society. We'll be talking about the balangay, a word that evolved into barangay. Because we like them. That's right. We like big boats
1: and we cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny Mm -hmm. when When the the boat boat
0: walks in and the boat is.
1: The period we're going to be talking about today is around the 10th and 11th century. That's right, it's the. Dark Ages. Oh, don't say Dark Ages. (laughs) Mad bro. I hate it. Sab hates the term Dark Ages because?
0: The Dark Ages were, okay, a period of slow growth in Europe, but it saw the Islamic Golden Age, the rise of Southern American empires, the Asian Maritime Silk Road. The Dark Ages is a value judgment about a time period and you want the real Dark Ages. The real Dark Ages came after the Bronze Age. This time in history was actually fascinating and just because the Europeans were all plague-ridden and bring out... I love
1: that you have a favorite time period.
0: I just, I really like Vikings, okay? We're getting off topic. Actually, we aren't. Because the time period we're going to be discussing today coincides with the Golden Age of the Vikings, and our ancestors actually kind of resemble them. You heard that right. We were kind of like the Vikings of the Pacific, trading and raiding
1: all throughout Southeast Asia. Archaeologists found balangays, those big, gorgeous boats that can make long-distance trips, at a dig site in Butuan that date from around 320 BCE to 1,200 BCE evidence that Butuan was a harbor.
0: There are enough boats to suggest that Butuan was an important port in the area around this time. So while the Vikings were raiding the northern coasts of Europe, we were riding the southerly oceans on boats that couldn't be matched by other empires.
1: Our ancestors were intimately connected to the sea, and our boats were just as advanced as the Vikings' boats. Even the National Museum website highlights the similarities between the construction techniques of the Scandinavian raiders and our own ancestors. We were freaking sea gypsies, and like the southern version of Vikings. Yeah, where's our History
0: Channel show?
1: So for most people, the 10th and 11th century conjures the dark, I mean, the Middle Ages. Thank you. But while Western history slowed down, our own ancestors were part of a flourishing maritime trading-based economy. Bago we were na Indio, we were cool badass sailors and wayfarers. Stories of sailors from these lands, we can't call them Filipinos since this wasn't the Philippines yet, were spread by
0: Portuguese expeditions and other traders. See, during the Middle Ages, while Europe was landlocked and fighting amongst itself, all across the Indian Ocean, there was a flourishing marketplace called the Maritime Silk Road. Okay, I feel like this trade confederation should have its own name. It shouldn't piggyback on the Silk Road name. John Green, author of The Fault in Our Stars, did an excellent YouTube series called Crash Course. In the episode on the Indian Ocean trade, he goes over this network and calls it the monsoon marketplace because of the regular and predictable monsoon winds. And I like that name better. So do I. The monsoon marketplace flourished from roughly the
1: 1100s to the 1500s, which is several centuries before the European Age of Exploration really heated up. Long before the Spanish and the Portuguese showed up, the people
0: in this region were trading silk, ivory, and spices. This is what I keep saying. This time can't be the Dark Ages just because Europe was all crusading in plague. Empires were flourishing here in the tropics. Our explorers were braving the storms of the Pacific. We were awesome sea gypsies. Which brings us to our topic today, the
1: boats that allowed us to start our own age of exploration, hundreds of years before our
0: European cousins did. the Balangay was first mentioned by Antonio Pigafetta, a Venetian scholar and Magellan's chronicler. In his creatively titled, Chronicles of Pigafetta, he said, About two hours later, we saw two Balanghai coming. They are large boats and so-called by those people. They were full of men, and their king was in the larger of them, being seated under an awning of mats. When the king came near the flagship, the slaves spoke to him. The king understood him, for in those districts the king knew more languages than other people. Something to note here, he mentions a slave who can speak to the king of the people in the Balanghai. We'll tell you more about him later. We might think it's
1: obvious that we were descended from voyagers. But before we had proof, we thought we never left. Kung sa Moana, tayo yung nasa simula ng movie, nage-enjoy lang tayo ng buko juice, pero pala,
0: we were voyagers! Look at some older maps of the monsoon marketplace. They depict mostly connections through Malaysia and Indonesia. But the presence of these boats in this quantity in Butuan tell us that it was a much better connected trading post than we initially thought. In 2013, archaeologists in the Libertad dig site unearthed
1: what they have been calling the mother boat. It's much larger than the balangays that have previously been excavated. Anong It suggests that our
0: voyages were more coordinated and more organized. Historian Arnold M. Azurin told GMA News back in 2018, quote, Butuan seaport had long-time trade links with Champa and Guangdong, China. You can retrace the importance of the newly discovered boat by utilizing it as an archaeological key to the period when Butuan was a busy link to the Pan-Asian cultural and commercial intercourse. There has also been record of officials from Butuan
1: petitioning the Chinese for better trade terms. Hindi lang tayo involved, palaban pa.
0: But here's the frustrating thing about the story: as recently as 2017, the mother boat is still mysterious. The archaeologists who work on the boat face a lot of obstacles. The boat is submerged on private property, which makes it difficult to excavate. And even if they do, they can't preserve it. So they have decided to keep most of the artifacts submerged for now. In developed countries, archaeologists are involved with most
1: excavations, especially in places like Rome and London. Importance is given to understanding the events of the past because of how it can inform our society today.
0: Ang din lumingon sa pinanggalingan, di makakarating sa paroroonan. So while many of us have heard of the Balangay, and we know that it is integral to our society and to our culture, the people who are at the forefront of studying this are still having to scramble for funds.
1: We often talk about ancient Filipinos like they were part of the Stone Age, Bronze Age, or one of the ages that seem primitive compared to Europe. But at the time that they were still living in huts, we already had boats that could make long voyages across the seas. The same seas we still travel today. Hey Sab, doesn't all this talk of our ancestors getting on their boats to see the world Make you want to do the same?
0: Well, maybe not the part about having to brave the elements on a wooden boat, but I do miss being able to learn as I travel. You know, visiting museums, walking tours, all of that.
1: Yeah, it might be a while before we get to see where history happened, But at least we have the internet to recreate those experiences.
0: That's right. With speeds of up to 1,000 mbps from PLDT Home's Fiber Plus plan, I can take virtual tours of museums. Exploring is way more fun when you have the strongest connection.
1: And we can do all the research we need for this podcast and do it better without having to leave our rooms. Plus, no more buffering when we watch period documentaries together. Or our favorite show on Netflix? The The
0: Crown! Crown. Exactly! If you want to get better access to learning resources, visit pldthome.com slash fiberplus to learn more. That's F-I-B-R-P-L-U-S.
1: And now, back to the episode. In 2017, a group of Pinoy set out on an epic journey to see if our ancestors could voyage as far as we thought. Kaya ng Pinoy, a group you must have heard about as the group who went on an expedition to Mount Everest, built three balangay boats to trace the voyage of Sultan Paduka Batara, a Muslim ruler of Sulu province who left in 1417 for a tribute mission to the Ming dynasty to seek a preferential trade agreement. They sailed from Manila to China in April 2018 and arrived five days later in the port of Xiamen an impressive feat considering that the boats were all made of wood and did not have any advanced navigation systems. Former Environment Undersecretary Arturo Valdez, the leader of the expedition, said that the voyage demonstrated how ancient civilizations in Southeast Asia were brought closer to one another through these boats. Quote, These waters never divided us. They unified us. And this boat, as a replica of an ancient boat, is a symbol of that relationship. End quote. The way our history is taught can give the impression that our story starts with our colonizers. Sure, we get an introduction to the different indigenous tribes that were already living in these islands before Magellan arrived. But en general, they become museum set pieces rather than real people who lived and worked and raised their families here. It's sad that we've severed our connection with them, but we can reclaim it by reclaiming ownership of our seas. Our connection to the sea and these waters is deep in our blood, so we should remember that it's important to fight for it. No matter how much someone else seems to think it belongs to them.
0: China, the big man in the region, has a geography problem. Their access to shipping lanes is hampered by all the Southeast Asian nations that surround them. One of the most contentious areas is the West Philippine Sea. It's the one you've been hearing
1: about a lot in the news, despite being momentarily distracted by the drama of the world. But here's the thing. China acknowledged that this area was not theirs.
0: Ages ago, back before they were thirsty for that sweet, sweet import-export action. And yet they try and use history as their precedent. Obviously, we're not weighing in on the controversy. Because the UN already did that. And
1: they rolled in our favor.
0: What we are trying to emphasize here is that our connection to our waters is a big deal that goes back generations. We need to fight for it, starting with calling it the West Philippine Sea. And not to be a downer or anything,
1: but these days everyone is talking about pollution and how climate change disaster is fast approaching. Parts of Manila are below sea level. As a nation of islands, we are the
0: most vulnerable to climate change, and yet we're also doing the least to deal with it. To quote a pre-colonial cousin of ours, Every turn we take, every trail we track, every path we make, every road leads back. do you have to sing in every episode? Yes. To To the the place we know, even Scarborough, it is not Chinese. See the line where the sky needs to see it's not Chinese, and, and we all know where, where that, that line should go.
1: Okay, but all you listeners, don't go anywhere because next up we'll be talking about Magellan and how he may have stolen the mantle of first man to circumnavigate the globe from a brown slave named Enrique.
0: <laughs> This being Filipino history, which is so weird and wonderful, we wanted to end every show with a weird thing about the story that we loved. While doing research on sea voyages and maritime trade, I came across the story of Enrique de Malaca, the slave who circled the globe.
1: Most textbooks list Magellan as the very first human to circumnavigate the globe. But we're here to set the story straight. The only reason Magellan got as far as he did was because he had a servant some sources say companion, named
0: Enrique de Malacca. Enrique met. Seriously, some of the sources say met. But actually, Enrique was either sold to or taken by Magellan as a slave in Sumatra or Malacca. Basically somewhere around Indonesia. The accounts are not totally clear. But he traveled with Magellan back to Europe and then was with him on the voyage to the Spice Islands. He's featured in Pegafetta's account of the journey as The Interpreter. It's clear he was from this part of the world, as he was easily able to communicate with the locals. Magellan's will freed
1: Enrique, but Juan Serrano, who took over from Magellan, insisted that he was too useful to release. So he went back on the promise of freedom. Enrique,
0: who thought he would be released, was kept in bondage. Mm
1: -hmm. But he was the
0: only one who spoke the language of the tribes in the area. So, Enrique told Raja Humabon that the white people had nefarious intentions and the tribe went full Game of Thrones on the Spanish and red-wedding them. Maybe pissing off the only dude who can speak to the locals was a bad idea, Spaniards. Pigafetta writes,
1: We saw Juan Serrano in his shirt bound and wounded, crying to us not to fire anymore, for the natives would kill him. We asked him whether the others and the interpreter were dead, He said they were all dead except the interpreter. The interpreter was Enrique. He had set them up. And his story ends here. Technically, Enrique's recorded life is just a few hundred kilometers short of his recorded homeland. But this whole area was well-connected via trade and
0: piracy, so I'd like to think he made it home. Enrique, then, was the first man to go west all the way around the world. He was a slave who took advantage of the ignorance of cruel white people and freed his own dang self. Oh my god, I want to see this movie. I would watch
1: the hell out of that movie. He was taken from Asia all the way to Europe and back
0: again to Asia. Also, if he met Magellan in Sumatra, it's possible he had made the rounds before that. He seemed to be able to communicate just fine with the Cebuanos. Basically, I am firmly on Team Enrique the Explorer. Let us know what you think on social media or write a movie and send it to us. I'm Sab Schnabel. And I'm Siege Tantenko. Class dismissed. We've got
1: more episodes coming your way. Subscribe to Puma Podcast or search for WhatsApp at link. Panlipunan Rebooted on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever
0: you listen. Join the discussion and check out our favorite history memes. Follow us on Twitter at History Rebooted and on Facebook.com slash History Rebooted. And on Instagram at History.rebooted I'm on social media at Siege the Day And I'm Sab Schnabel on Twitter That's S-C-H-N-A-B-E-L It means beak in German This episode of WhatsApp Araling Panlipunan Rebooted Was produced by Pauline Reyes And edited by Nina Toralba of Puma Podcast.